0: Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast. In this episode, we discuss that the mighty T-Rex can save NVIDIA from the RTX debacle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren McKinnon.
1: Dennis, I noticed that it's gotten a little bit cold outside, but that doesn't seem to be keeping the lab cold because you've got a particularly hot piece of hardware on the bench. Oh man, that thing looks gorgeous. What am I looking at here?
0: You are looking at a product that actually has two ice-related features.
1: <laughs> oh no. That is cool.
0: Yeah, so we have the Zotac Gaming GeForce RTX 2080 Amp Extreme. Ooh. Long Amp name. Extreme. Amazing results. It <laughs> sounds like it. Yeah, I, so I,
1: I tell you, it looks fantastic. It's got some really great. Is that LED action going on there?
0: Yeah, so this card is uh, an RTX 2080, as the name suggests. It is also a a two-and-a-half-slot GPU per the Zotac Amp Extreme heatsink, which is the Ice Storm 2.0, with Uh the freeze fan stop feature, which will turn the fans off so that it has zero noise footprint, which is where the extra heat comes from because it has like a 95C degree temperature ceiling or something like that. Well, that is definitely one of the large. maybe is the largest card. It looks bigger even than those classifieds. Yes, it's about the same height as the classified, but this card is a lot longer.
1: So I'm looking at this, and of course, the lighting immediately jumps out at me because it's got a really kind of a long run of lighting, and it looks like it's doing um, well, kind of a chaser effect across it.
0: So the the lighting is probably one of the coolest features of this card because they fully integrated RGB into the fan shroud. And this is divided into four distinct lighting zones. You have a zone for the logo. So you can change the color of the logo and that you normally see if it's horizontal in your case. But if you do a vertical, then you get three distinct RGB lighting zones. Oh
1: yeah, I do see there's one in the back that I didn't notice immediately.
0: Yeah. So you have a big one across the top, big one at the bottom and then one in the back. So you can do a chasing effect between starting at the top and loop down to the bottom to go to the back, and then it'll just make a big loop back and forth.
1: That is pretty slick. Maybe the best RGB video card
0: effect I've seen. It gets better. Oh, okay. It gets better. So with the software, the Spectra software, when you load it up, you can have a lighting effect for when the card is active and when the card is idle. Interesting. So you could have it go and do a flashing thing if you're playing Battlefield, or you could have it turn off completely when you're just surfing the web. It's pretty darn cool. When the 3D clocks kick in, the RGBs will change.
1: That's really cool too. But I feel like here we have started a conversation about a cool new video card. And all we've talked about is RGB. We've become YouTubers.
0: We, we have. <laughs> but it is also an RTX 2080 Amp Extreme, which makes... The amp extreme is what makes the card the card. The RTX 2080 is just the GPU that everybody has been talking about, including us on previous podcast episodes.
1: So I have to ask, because I'm not sure I know the answer yet, but are they allowing folks like Zotac to make these without using the reference boards? Is this a custom board?
0: This is a custom board. Very nice. We have the 16 plus 4 power phase, which is also why the card is taller. And it's got the two, or I should say the dual 8-pin PCI Express power it into the top. Overclocking-wise, it has a pretty high clock and a pretty amazing boost clock as well. The boost is 1905, but I have noticed when I was testing this card, it boosts up to 2100. Wow. It won't stay at 2100, but it'll boost to 2100. And overclocking on top of that didn't really push the boost clock any higher. It just pushed the default clock higher.
1: Well, that's still, um, uh, well, they're all pretty impressive, but there's been a lot of bad press about the 2080s being not that much better than
0: the previous 1080 TIEs. And that is actually true. Wayne, in my testing, and which the review will be out probably shortly after this podcast goes live, so look for that at hardwareasylum.com, but in terms of clock speeds, we are looking at a modest, I should say, boost in speed. Okay, so what does modest mean? It's faster than a 1080 tie. <laughs> well, I hope so. Yeah, but not it's not leaps and bounds faster. Well, I know when we last talked about
1: this, there were rumors that it might be as much as 35% in the tie, but I don't remember there being a lot of talk about the regular 2080s. So where does it fit in?
0: It fits in below the 2080 tie, obviously, and higher than the 1070 tie, which is actually not out yet. As far as i can tell oh i see you're not going to tell us because the review's not out yet the review's not out you have to check out hardware which is part of the reason that we have this wonderful podcast for you guys it's been going on for quite a while now the rtx 2080 probably going to be considered the workhorse gpu for enthusiasts because we have the 2080 ties which have been flying off the shelves but are also 1200 dollars Oh, yeah. And, of course, you have the custom boards like the RTX 2080 Amp Extreme that we have in the lab right now, which is going to probably be around $900. Still hurts. I was looking at an MSI 2080 with the water block, the uh, Seahawk version. Right, right. And it was at $900 as well.
1: Well, that's see, that's a good competitor. At least you're getting a water block out of the deal, which, as you know, can be a good $100 to $150 add-on depending on the card and, of course, how good a block you get.
0: Well, right, and we don't know what kind of board it is, if it's actually a Gamer X style board, or if it's really a reference board with a video block on it.
1: The Seahawks have always had a good reputation, even though they're kind of a niche product. But what I'm not seeing a lot of out there, and I'm still waiting for, is the downskews, the 2060, 20, 2050 20, entry-level stuff that I really
0: expected to see for a Christmas release, and they're just nothing. It's nothing, because instead, NVIDIA launched T-Rex, <laughs> T-Rex, all right. Yeah. I'll so, bite. What's T-Rex? Okay, so I did a news post on Hardware Asylum based off of a Twitter image that got posted on the NVIDIA Twitter site. They had the NVIDIA campus and then a shadow of a T-Rex Oh, shining onto it. Not the actual dinosaur, but a shadow of the dinosaur. And then everybody was kind of freaking out. It's like, oh my God, T-Rex. Ah. And then, you know, they're doing response ones with that inflatable T-Rex thing and they're all bouncing around and nice. stuff. Nice. Turns out that T-Rex is not the open-source web controller for GPU mining for NVIDIA GPUs. (laughs) Okay, that's an interesting twist. But instead, the NVIDIA Titan RTX. RTX, Rex. Oh,
1: I get it. Yeah. So the new Titan is T-Rex. I like it. It's not going to do any push-ups anytime soon, I'm sure. I hope not. We've long talked about what the value of a Titan
0: chipset is for an enthusiast. And I'm wondering if this is the one. It is maybe. Maybe. Titans typically have always been sold exclusively by NVIDIA. So you have to go to the NVIDIA store and pay what it is that they want to charge to get these cards because they are not designed as a consumer level GPU. So they say. So they say. And of course, I know plenty of overclockers that have gone to the NVIDIA store and purchased a Titan for themselves. To hack off the VRM put on an EVGA and touchables and overclock the snot out of it on liquid nitrogen. I mean, if you're not an extreme overclocker, this is not a normal thing for you, obviously.
1: Well, definitely. I mean, that's a high-risk, high-budget enterprise there for maybe not a lot of reward.
0: Well, no, fake internet points, right?
1: That's exactly right. But you get the views, and uh, apparently you get the cups. You get the cups,
0: and sometimes you get cards.
1: So let's talk about this Titan card. I mean, is this really the way? Is it that much better than a 2080 tie?
0: Well, it is the full realization of the Turing architecture. Much like the previous Titans, it is the full GPU, because NVIDIA goes and will lop off CUDA cores and whatnot and sell them for less money. So we have the Titan RTX here. We've got a Nantech page. Core clock, 1350 megahertz.
1: Okay, so same as the 2080 Ti Founders Edition.
0: All right, it's got to get better somewhere. Uh, Boost clock, 1770.
1: Okay, that's better.
0: Yeah, the boost clock at 2080 Ti is 1635. However, much like the 2080 that I was just talking about, I'm sure the boost goes higher based off of the boost technology.
1: And one should point out that both of those core clock and boost clocks are quite a bit improved over the previous generation
0: Titan, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, by a couple hundred megahertz. Hey, that's not bad. Memory bus is the same. Memory bandwidth is slightly higher because of the faster memory clock. VRAM is twenty four gigabits over the eleven gigabits down now the twenty eighty tie. Talking, yeah. And then we got sixteen three teraflops a second versus the fourteen two teraflops a second. And I'm looking for where is the core count? Oh, here's the total core. So we have a four thousand six hundred and eight CUDA cores. That's two hundred and fifty more than the twenty eighty tie. That's where some of this extra clock speed comes from. That sounds like a lot. And then we have 576 Tesser cords. And we have some AI cores on top of that because of the RTX architecture.
1: But feature-wise, does it have all the same features as the 2080 Ti? I mean, mm-hmm. does this thing do the ray tracing and all that good stuff?
0: Yep, totally does ray tracing because of the RTX architecture. That Some of those cores are the ray tracing cores. So that's dedicated for that craft. But again, the Titan is designed more as a workstation professional card. So we're going to be doing a lot of GPU rendering on this thing, and that's where this extra uh, horsepower comes from. But for a few bucks more, I might be able to get a Battlefield 5 boost, right? Of course. You have more VRAM, so you can load more of the larger textures. You should be able to get better performance all around, really.
1: That sounds excellent. So how
0: much more would I pay for this thing? Uh, probably around $2,500. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Um, <laughs> 2500 Yeah, $2,500. That is a little over double the price of a 2080
1: Ti. And I suppose next you're going to tell me that you just SLI that bad boy, right?
0: Oh, it supports totally. (laughs) NVLink, it supports uh, two cards together. That's the current NVIDIA thing. We're just doing two cards. You have to do the high bandwidth. This does like 100 gigabits per second or something like that across the NVLink.
1: So that's another, what? 30 or 60 or something
0: dollars for the crazy link. I think so. And then of course, another 200, oh, gosh, 50,000 so pesos. like
1: 5,500. That's uh, that's almost a new car right there. If you're not too picky about your car, holy cow, 5,200 maybe to do SLI
0: Titans. Wow. That sounds impressive. I think, I think we should do that.
1: <laughs> I'd certainly do it. If somebody would give them to me.
0: Yes. I think a lot of people are in that same boat. The part that is really interesting is that I built a new machine a little while ago. And I thought to myself, hey, I can pull a video card off the shelf, plug it in. But then I would have to buy a water block for it to go with the new water cooling loop that I built. Right. So I got on the old eBay and said, okay, so we have 2080s coming out. We have a lot of enthusiasts that are going to be dumping their 1080s. We have miners that have lost their shorts in the market. They're going to be dumping cards because people aren't building mining machines anymore.
1: And it's funny you say that because even the retail prices have been trending back down to almost the original announced MSRP. Imagine that, (laughs) which is sort of funny to say. In fact, I'm happy to say that were I to purchase an additional... 1070, which is my card of choice, the gamer edition. Thank you, MSI, that I can get it for only $20 over what I paid for mine when I bought it launch day. Two years ago. Yeah. So I feel like I got a good investment, ironically, but who knew that it was going to work out like that?
0: The idea with any sort of supply and demand, right, is that you have a new product being released. The old products, people want to get rid of them. Stores want them out of their, out of their store shelves. The people that have them want to upgrade, they want to sell them. But with the uh, price gouging that happened because of the mining boom, I think a lot of people are a little upset that they paid $1,200 for a card that should only be $600. Yeah. And then they're trying to sell them for $800. It's hard to feel sorry for them, honestly. It is. Case in point, I got onto the eBay and I was looking for an MSI Seahawk. Basically, it's the Gamer X version with the water block on it, right? Yeah. They have an AIO version and one with an EK water block, much like the one that you have. Yeah, love it. There was a guy, he had one listed for $590. It looked great, great condition. He had all the box, he had all the documentation, kind of a great setup. It would be a perfect get in there, snag it, buy it be happy but 590 is still over
1: well retail for at least where it's supposed to be well
0: i would expect retail on that one to probably be close to seven
1: i was thinking of standard that's true okay
0: but i figure okay we have new cards coming out and for 600 bucks i could buy it 2080 right so i offer him 350 bucks he immediately comes back and says hey the air-cooled ones are worth more than that Decline. (laughs) I'm like, <laughs> and then of course he okay. goes in, he counter offers at $560. He knocked $30 off the $30. price.
1: Oh, that's almost
0: shipping. I'm like, uh, that is not how this works, dude. I can, you know, for the amount that you knocked off, I could probably, you know, for the effort, go buy a 2080, which is really what I should be doing anyway.
1: Yeah. And throw another hundred on and maybe get the 2080 Seahawks.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. Because mm. those are $900. Yeah. And at the 560 that's $600, right? If I paid his full price for that car plus shipping and everything, another 300 I could get a brand new card. You know, the laws of supply and demand here are basically everybody is a little upset that they paid so much money for their cards, they don't want to release them. And that kind of gets back to a point that you said off the air about, hey, where's these 2060s?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because... That's usually where most people start hunting if they don't want to get the crazy enthusiast cards. 2060, or at least the 1060, was really the sweet spot in the last generation for the entry-level gamer. Now, I still firmly believe that the 1070 is the best bang for your buck card even still today, except for ray tracing. The fact that they're not out there is really telling. It kind of makes me feel like they're still trying to drive those old cards back off the
0: shelves. So I want to go and kind of look at the stock market a little bit, if you can... Uh, bear with me, talking oh. a little bit technical about this kind of stuff. All right,
1: well, bring, bring the stocks to me, because I am not an investor in video card stock
0: today. Um, I kind of am.
1: Oh, no, all right. Well, hopefully it's not all bad news then.
0: Well, no, and it's something that we mentioned in a couple podcasts back about how when RTX launched, the NVIDIA stock dropped. Normally, when you have a product launch, people are excited. They want to invest.
1: Yes, that's right, and NVIDIA kind of had to fight that battle because the earlier reviews were... What the
0: heck, dude? Not enough performance boost. And they put all of their giblets into, hey, we got ray tracing. You should buy us. You should love this. And I originally speculated that, okay, they set the price of that $1,200 for the 2080 tie, which they also launched the tie edition a year early, it would seem, based off of the price gouging mining prices. Oh, yeah. It Come to find out, the stock dropped because of the, the performance. Well, a month later... The stock halved. Oh, ouch! So we have like a two hundred and what was it, two hundred and fifty dollars or no, two ninety. Wow, was their fifty-two week high. And as of this podcast reporting, we're down to one hundred and forty-seven.
1: That almost makes me feel like we should be giving investment advice because it can't stay down there, can it?
0: Well, no, it can't. The reason why it dropped was because projected earnings came out a few weeks ago. As of this recording. And Jensen basically admitted that, hey, we have excess inventory. Excess inventory means that we are sitting on GTX 10 series chips that we have not sold yet because of the mining boom. They miscalculated how many cards they would be selling during that time period. They were going off the shelves at like gangbusters. It was really hard to find a card, which is why the price gouging was happening. Right. And then, of course, when the mining fell through, all of that supply flooded into the market, but nobody wanted to lower their price.
1: Uh, So maybe my chances of getting a 1080 tie on the cheap
0: will improve over the next few months. Well, we would hope. So Jensen had mentioned that they had excess inventory and it will take them a couple of quarters to work through that. Since they launched the 20 series, of course, the reason for the launch of the 20 series is because they don't have a fab. They have a projected schedule. And NVIDIA has always done a schedule every six months, every year, right? So they release new products every six months and new architecture every year. And then they just keep going and going. So when you don't have a fab, you have to schedule this stuff out in advance. They had already scheduled out the 20 series. They had, what, two years of research into it. By the time it was coming out, they had excess inventory in 10 series. If they didn't sell 20 series, I'd have excess inventory on that. Oh no! And then they're paying for both sets. They launched 20 in hopes that the 10 series, which is now the down market card, would drop in price because of the new availability of the new product.
1: And sadly as we've already mentioned, it did drop in price just not below MSRP. <laughs> at least not today.
0: So, I have a feeling that we are probably not going to see 10 or not sorry 10. We're not going to see 20 series, 60s or 50s out for at least a product cycle.
1: Yeah, because they got to clear the shelves. Got to clear. And them. that does mean that we might see more discounting which is a good thing if you've been holding out. And the reality is, as much as I would like to see a 20 series card in my machine, it's very difficult to justify that when so few games are supporting those new features now. Granted, because I'm a huge Battlefield fan, I'm in the minority that would like to have ray tracing. But, oh my gosh, not at that
0: price. Well, no, and that's the other reason that the investors basically pulled out of NVIDIA completely. Because... There isn't games to support RTX, or not RTX, but ray tracing in general. Mm -hmm. They have excess inventories, and they're not expecting to sell. They had actually, their projections for sales were lower than what anticipated that they were doing. So they didn't have the same amount of money coming through. So for the first time in 10 years, NVIDIA screwed up.
1: Well, it's been longer than that, hasn't it? I mean, there hasn't been
0: significant competition for, I don't know, years. Well, let's see. Let's go back. So we have NVIDIA buys out 3DFX, and that happened in uh, 2002.
1: 2002. So that so was 16 years ago 16 they bought 3DFX. years ago. Boy, and that really rocked the market too. But
0: Yeah, a lot of people kind of looked at this as NVIDIA is just removing competition from the marketplace. But I think it was a strategic initiative on their part. At this point, 3DFX was kind of pittering out. You know, we had the Voodoo 1 and the Voodoo 2. Oh, that were such super, great cards. Yeah, and all that did was an OpenGL overlay and some you know proprietary magic that they did before. AGP cards at the time didn't have a bi-directional communication, so you needed to generate a graphic signal for that card. The Voodoo picked it up from there, communicated back to say, hey, overlay this stuff on top of it, and then send it out to the screen. So it was kind of revolutionary in being able to enhance your graphics without having to you know have a 3D accelerator, which at the time didn't really exist. 2002. Yeah, and then in 20, 2004, 2004... So just two years later... At Computex 2004, I met with NVIDIA. This was also the year that they, they, being Intel, had created PCI Express. Oh, yeah, big jump in performance. And I had heard that, well, PCI Express allows bi-communication, so that's when they created the GPU, or graphic processing unit, or expanded in this case. And I'd asked my NVIDIA contact say, so since NVIDIA owns 3 d FX, is there any plan of bringing back SLIs now that we have these multi-lane PCI Express slots where we can put in more than one card? At that point, the manager that was in the room gave me this stare. <laughs> my marketing contact kind of looked at me funny, and they both kind of paused. It's kind of like, well, are they going to say something? And then my guy comes back and says, well, there's nothing in the spec would prevent that from happening. And that's I go, pretty ambiguous and like, um, okay, cool. Well, you answered my question. Great. I kind of kept it to myself. And then what was it? Two months later, the big announcement came out. Nvidia launches SLI and lo and behold, they had these little fingers on the top of the cards and that's what would link the cards together. And I'm like, oh my God, really? So I go and email the guy saying, Hey, so that's why I got that weird stare from you guys. When I asked about SLI, said, Hey, I'm normally not that uncomposed. I'm like, all right, whatever, dude, (laughs) go marketing. SLI was probably one of the biggest things at this point that enhanced performance. As you remember, SLI, when it first came out was buy a cheap card, buy a next one in like six months and double your performance. Yeah. I mean, you buy the best card you can afford. You'd be in the game, and yeah, wait for that second.
1: Maybe even to come down in price. Six hundred and pro- sixty was the sweet spot back in those days. It was. It was freaking awesome, and I had two of those. It was. It was great. I think everybody did because they were so cheap. Even
0: BFG right mm-hmm. had all these crazy. That was basically the dawn of the factory overclocked cards. Yes, it was. It was a great time, and I want to say it was the beginning of the golden age of overclocking because. What two-way SLI brought was now all of a sudden four-way SLI and then quad SLI, which was a card with two chips on it that you would SLI together to get four GPUs. Nice. Yeah, I remember those. Man, that was a great idea. Bring that back. Give me double (laughs) 2080s. Yes. And then we had motherboard support for that, which is spawned with the multi-GPU index that I do on Hardware Asylum, where we look at putting four cards onto a motherboard and what kind of cooling you would get and what kind of bandwidth you would get to each card and which one's primary and whatnot. Then, I know, this is the sad part, right? The sweet spot for SLI was always two cards. Once you go past that, then you have diminishing returns. You still get more performance, but the CPUs at the time would not be able to keep up. You have low-end CPUs not being able to drive all of the other cards, and then they get this thing called bottlenecking. NVIDIA goes and says, well, you know, we have these 70 series cards, and we only want you to do two-way SLI with those, even though they support four-way. You can only do two. So they kind of neutered it in the drivers. And then later on they said, well, we're only going to support four-way SLI on the top end cards. And then they start removing the fingers on the lower end cards, which negates the original marketing of buy a low end card and then double your performance later on.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So they're kind of, they were pushing it further and further up the market. And of course, now we have DirectX 12 where we don't have to have SLI because the game programmer writes in the code to link multiple GPUs together over the PCI Express, which is really what AMD brought to the market. They kind of lost out to AMD. I'm not sure how that actually works, but it kind of has come full circle. So now we have NVLink that only supports two cards because of the way that it's set up. You get great performance, but we're back to two cards' best performance, but only on the top-end cards.
1: Well, and even still, they don't give you the option to add cards anymore. Strongly against it. And another differentiator, like you said, between the cheap cards and the expensive cards. But I feel like they kind of missed their opportunity there, Uh, especially since they have
0: so many 1070s and 1080s that are still out on the market. Right. And that brings the third thing that I was going to talk about that really enhanced gaming and another win for everybody was when they bought a GF PhysX.
1: Oh, yeah. Now, that was when we really started to see the differentiation between AMD cards and
0: NVIDIA cards. They bought the the technology, they added it to the driver package, and it allowed you to have it on the GPU or on the CPU, depending on how you wanted to generate your PhysX, and it enhanced games. We have Borderlands 2 that has physics effects built into it. Everything built off of the Unreal Engine at the time.
1: I remember how much fun it was to turn that thing all the way up. The fire effects were
0: out of control. It was freaking awesome. (laughs) And thinking of it now, had NVIDIA released Ray Tracing as an add-on board, they could have held on to the 20 Series chips for a while. They could push through the 10 series backstock and get ray tracing out into the marketplace as an add on board. And then, oh my Hey, gosh, look at can this. Can you imagine
1: an add on, even if they made it only compatible through the SLI bridge with the 20 or excuse
0: me, the 10 70, Yeah, I know they would be flying off the shelves in a sense. That is why NVIDIA just finally tripped either as hard to be at the top, or maybe it was the fact that they were thinking, Hey, we're just going to continue what we're doing. People will buy it and then we can win.
1: Interesting. So how's that affecting the
0: stock? All the investors are saying, hey, NVIDIA is still a good buy. They're into this whole AI thing. They're into the self-driving cars. The gaming market is just kind of what has always brought them money into the marketplace.
1: Yeah, it's basically been like printing
0: money for the last couple of years. They still have a good technology stack. They have a good product. They priced it incorrectly, in my mind. They priced the 20 series so high with the hopes that it would drive people to buy the 10 series and get them off the shelf. But the thing is they oversold the ray tracing technology. Everybody wants the ray tracing and they're willing to pay for it. So in a way they're trying to get their money from the 20 series that they should be getting from the 10 series. Had they just kind of waited a little while?
1: Well, I have to say, I'm not particularly sure it's time to buy stock anyway, because I also saw nasty rumors that NVIDIA did not make the next console
0: generation. No, they've been out of the consoles for a while, and that's that's a big miss, really, because when NVIDIA got put into the original Xbox, that's what caused the stock to just skyrocket because all of a sudden they had support of Microsoft and the promise of the Microsoft marketing engine to get NVIDIA in every home in the world, right? Right. The next generation, it was basically all AMD. AMD has been in the consoles ever since.
1: Yeah, and in fact, if rumors can believe the playstation 5 and the new xbox both will be running off of the next generation ati chipsets both video and cpu
0: so speculation aside i still like nvidia i would recommend nvidia products to anybody if you want to get the best bang out of your games ray tracing will be available in more games probably in the next six months. Unfortunately, it kind of seems like a a rehash of my old GeForce 2 (laughs) Ultra, GeForce 3 fiasco that I talked about in the previous podcast.
1: It just keeps coming back around.
0: Yeah, but unless you have the hardware there to support new software features, you'll never have an advancement. It's just a matter of like, how much am I going to burn, getting that out there so that others can take advantage of it.
1: So let's jump back again to the Zoltec Amp Extreme. Amp Extreme! Now, you like the card? I do like the card. So your first impression is?
0: I I, I like the card. I want to keep it.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. But would you like to keep it if you had to purchase it? Is it a recommended card or are you still recommending a 1070,
0: 1080? That is a good question. The enthusiast in me says, yes, I need to have the RTX 2080. That is the card that needs to be in my machine right now. If I could get a 2070 and it was priced accordingly... I would. It seems right now with the two cards that are on the market, we're not going to count the Titan because that's just yeah, eh, <laughs> right? $2,500, right? The 1070 seems like that's the entry level right now. And the 2080 is really going to be the workhorse. And I mentioned that before. This is going to be the card that everyone wants. It's less than $1,000. You can get custom versions of it. And the performance there is slightly more than the 1080 tie, which we couldn't buy forever and ever, ever anyway. So it really seems like the perfect stopgap. Just get this card and don't look back.
1: So it sounds like, at least if you're not in a 1070 or better, you should be saving your money for a 2080. And if you're going to do it right, the 2080 Amp Extreme should be on your list. But if not, it sounds like maybe you should wait to see if the 10X series drops in price. I know I'll be looking for another 1070, unless I can get that 2070
0: into my budget. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS, follow us on Twitter, or like us on Facebook. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2018. Thanks for listening.
1: Boost to 1905 for the megahertz. Scratch that part. (laughs)